everyone has mistakes in crypto. Bury those mistakes deep down. Never think about them. That's my strategy for coping. All the yes, things I've right, missed, right. David. Mm-hmm. How many things have you, you missed? Oh my God, I've missed zero. so many things in crypto. I've missed, I've missed zero things. <laughs> There's David. not a single thing that I've missed. <laughs> well, uh, bring that alpha to me, man, because I've missed mm-hmm. a lot over the years. Bankless Nation, happy fifth Friday of September. September 2022, that is. David, how are you doing today? Absolutely fantastic, Ryan. How are you? Good, man. What are we getting into today? Uh, so you know how was it last week that was like the cope bear market weekly roll up? Yeah, this one's this one's a good one. Uh, NFTs came alive this week in a, a very unexpected ways. Uh, so I, and the theme of this week is that NFTs won bigly. Uh, so I'm pretty stoked about that. So is this a, a glimmer of hope in the midst of the in the bear market that NFTs had a crazy big week? Well, I, I don't really think anyone who's still at this point in this market now is like doubtful about the future of this industry. Uh, and I think this is a great example of a build market. Uh, prices are down, but things are moving. Uh, there are tectonic shifts happening both in the layer two space and also in the NFT market. Uh, and there's like there's like five different massive things that happened. Uh, and we're going to talk about all of them because, Ryan, it's a Friday weekly roll up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto. which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere nonetheless into the frontier with a cup of coffee. Yes, have a cup of coffee? I have my, I have my yeah. cup of coffee. I do. I know yeah. it's a little late for you. And by the way, David, the, the other reason, Bankless listeners, David is bullish today on today's episode is because he just told me he had a fantastic <laughs> night of sleep. All right. It's a rare and, occurrence. <laughs> yes. And uh, David with like nine plus hours of sleep in him is a different David. He that's, is a, uh, a bull rare. market yeah. David. Is that fair? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. People who pay attention to know I have troubles with sleep. So when I wake up at somehow 9 a.m. after sleeping all the way through the night, I get real excited. <laughs> Well, we got some huge wins across the board in NFT to talk about. Christie's doing some stuff. Also, the Fidenzer creator just sold out a new batch of NFTs. Yeah, Yeah, what else in the NFT world, David? Uh, New England Patriots football team are going Web3. What the hell does that mean? Uh, And a massive CryptoPunk sale. Uh, again, uh, just and that's just the tip of the iceberg for what happened this week. Uh, of course, some bad things did happen as well. Uh, CFTC going after DAO token holders, uh, joining the ranks of the SEC, doing the uh, regulation by enforcement strategy. Uh, we thought we thought the CFTC were the good ones. Um, sad, uh, but we'll get into all these details and more as we go throughout the weekly roll-up. And before we get in, I want to tell you about our friends and sponsors at Swell Network. David and I are angel investors with this product too because we think it is really cool. It's decentralizing Ethereum staking. David, tell them about Swell and how people can get involved. Yeah, Swell is joining the ranks of Rocket Pool and Lido as a decentralized staking as a service DAO. Uh, it's it's permissionless like Rocket Pool, so any node operator can come join the network with a 16 ETH bond. But it's also permissioned like Lido, where DAO with the DAO votes on who is allowed to run a validator node without a bond. So both trustless and trusted at the same time, trying to go after the best of both worlds. Uh, community owned and operated DAO, they want you in the Discord so they can grow this network out. Uh, and so there is a link in the show notes for you to get started with that. I just noticed uh, Mark Cuban's involved in this too. Oh, That's wow. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Angel Brothers Mark with Mark Cuban. All right. What's up, Mark? Uh, try, trying to decentralize staking right here. Yeah, definitely check out that Discord. Get in on the mm-hmm. ground floor of this community. Uh, they're building something really cool. All right, David, let's get to markets today. Got to start with King Bitcoin. It is still the king right now. Uh, what's it trading at this week as at the time of recording? I think this week, Ryan, the prices this week set an all-time record for the most flat weeks. 
Uh, we are literally at the same price as we were seven days ago. I think Bitcoin wow. is down point one five percent, which you know, if you're going to call anything flat in crypto, it's that. So start of the week at nineteen thousand three hundred, ending the week at nineteen thousand three hundred. We're flat in Bitcoin. We also flat on ETH, David. Same story. Uh, start of the week at thirteen twenty, ending the week at thirteen twenty. Wow. Okay. Flat, uh, flat week, crab market, as we've called mm -hmm. it before, I guess. The last seven days, the crypto markets don't know what to do. How are we looking on the ratio, David? Is that giving us any signal in this? This is the ETH to Bitcoin ratio. Well, no, because everything else is flat too. People noticed last week, Ryan, when we skipped over the ETH BTC ratio, we started talking about something about like the ETH gas markets, and then we just decided to skip the ratio. And people were like, oh, yeah, super convenient of David to skip the <laughs> ratio on like the bad week. Well, yes. were they wrong, David? <laughs> <laughs> they, might, they might have clued into something, perhaps. But yes, uh, over the two-week period, the ETH-BTC ratio is down. Uh, we are down to 0 0.069. Nice. Um, but uh, this week, it was flat. This week, it was flat. This week is flat. Other week is down. Uh, kind of weird to see it down post-merge, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Are you surprised about that? Yeah, I guess it's the merge unwind, but also the bear market. Uh, again, the mer it was the merge trade is never about the week after the merge or the month after the merge. It's about the year after the merge. Uh, and a year from or, now, David's going to be coping. saying the next three to five. The years next three after to the five merge. years after the merge. <laughs> not yet. Not priced in yet, guys. Give it time. All right. Give that supply burn some time to activate fully. Are we? Had a good uh, burn day today, by the way. We'll talk about that. How about cryptocurrency market caps as a whole? Are we above mm -hmm. or below a trillion dollars? We are below a trillion dollars. We're up on the week though. So where Bitcoin and Ether were, the blue chips were flat. We're actually slightly up on the total crypto market cap, uh, 0.094 trillion up to 0.097 trillion in the last seven days. So we went up $30 billion uh, in seven days. So that means somebody, some tokens in the low cap gem categories got an increase in valuation. 30 billion in value created just like that boy wow. oh Can boy I, I remember when the crypto market cap as a whole was less than 30 billion dollars <laughs> now we're just talking about 30 billion 30 billion like, movements yeah, yeah a, a minor movement from week to mm -hmm. week uh, mm -hmm. all right let's talk about um the dollar for a minute because wow, i that think looks like a bullish chart exactly. yeah this is uh this is a bullish chart i kind of wish this was the bitcoin or eth chart but it's not yeah. this is actually a chart for the dxy this is the dollar relative to a basket of other fiat currencies primarily this i think the, the euro yeah the dixie and the and the yen and it looks like it is pumping yeah, that's a parabola right there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the dollar is just, and other currencies, of course, are going down versus the dollar. The British pound fell off a cliff recently. That was a big topic in the macro world. The euro is down to like 96 cents on the dollar. Uh, the dollar, everyone wants dollars. Dollars are in. So dollars are pumped. So if you are a dollar holder, it's as if your chart is going up uh, versus like the rest of the world. So congrats to all dollar holders out there, you fiat trash monkeys uh, <laughs> hey i'm a dollar but, holder don't call me a trash monkey don't you have dollars you're a trash monkey too what are you doing i mean uh, but i will say that this is a parabola right uh and so that's unsustainable uh have we topped out on this parabola i don't know well, so the, why is the dollar a wrecking ball? There's this kind of the, the dollar milkshake theory at play. Um, who's the gentleman behind the dollar milkshake theory? His name escapes me at the moment, but I know um, we've had him on the podcast. Brett Johnson. Brett Johnson's the guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Brett Johnson. So this is Brett Johnson basically theory playing out. So markets are down. Half of it. 
Yeah. Half of it. What's the, the other first half? Ha the first half is there's demand for the dollar. Okay. The second half is there's the collapse of the demand for the dollar. So like if the dollar pumps, oh, it you keeps mean on going. Order of operations. You mean his yes. his dollar milkshake theory has two parts to it. There's a part one, yes. the dollar pumps, 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 and then there's Which a part two seeing. where it where it collapses. Correct. Yeah. There's a the the anti dollar milkshake theory is that the dollar pumps and it doesn't collapse. Which I actually think is a pretty fair take. And when we talked to, to Noah, uh, pod, unreleased podcast, Noah Opinion, he was like, yeah, everyone really wants dollars right now. Uh, and so you could see a world where the dollar grows in relative strength versus all fiat currencies and then doesn't lose that. And it just is the last standing fiat currency. Like, I, I think that's a. a it's what's uh, always interesting potential. is there, there doesn't seem to be another fiat currency that is like right. contending the dollar right now, not right. even close. But right. you're seeing all of the liquidity from the other fiat currencies being being sucked out. Have you seen those images, uh, David, lately of um, Hurricane Ian in like Tampa mm -hmm. Bay? We're mm -hmm. just like looking at kind of the, the coast of Tampa Bay, right. and all of the tide has been sucked out right. for the hurricane. Mm -hmm. This is like liquidity getting sucked into the dollar. That's what's happening right, right now from other assets as other assets are going down. We'll talk about bonds in a minute. This is uh, Jim Bianco, though, talking about the dollar. And he says this, the U.S. economy is about 25% of world GDP. All right, Americans, your economy is 25% of world GDP. So you got about a quarter of the GDP. But the dollar is 85% of world trade. 85% of world trade is priced in dollars. So you got a GDP worth about 25%, but you have this exorbitant privilege, Bianco is talking about, of 85% of the world trade is priced in dollars. You just look at that. The dollar is the absolute champion right now in the fiat currency world. And David, this is a graph I saw actually on Reddit. Look at these numbers. This is year to date of the dollar and all of the other world currencies falling relative to the dollar. You could see the yen in there down 20%, wow. the pound in there is probably worse by, by now, but down 20% at the time of uh, this recording. So the dollar is actually is, is uh, operating as a wrecking ball and uh, sucking all of the liquidity into it. At the same time, David, the bond market seems to be getting torched. The bond market, okay? These are treasuries and sovereign bonds. This is another tweet from Jim Bianco, I think. The bond market is very big, very opaque, and very complicated. This is why it blows up regularly. <laughs> GFC 2008, uh, uh, GFC 2008, uh, the repo 2019, COVID 2020. Now, question mark, question mark, question mark. Is that what's happening now? What have been the warning signs trouble is brewing. Jim goes through some of the tweets above, but look at this, David. This is year to date bond market. Okay. The absolute yeah, that worst. line looks different than all other lines. This in there. is a scary line, okay? And this is year to date total return. <laughs> Technical analysis Bloom by Bankless. It's scary. <laughs> this looks scary to me. Bloomberg Global Aggregate Index, all right? And we are down in the bond market, down about twenty percent year to date. Look at all of the other like starts of years that, mm -hmm. that were bad. The, the wor second worst in 1999, which around this time was down about 5%. Here we are in the bond market, down 20% year to date. So bonds not doing too well. I remember when we had Jim Bianco on, it was about at that first mark, I believe, in the, the blue line there, that first right dip around June. June. And my mind was like, oh, okay, it's really, really bad. It, how bad can it get? Can it really get much worse? Maybe it, got it reverses better. here, and then it got better. 
and then it got a lot worse. Uh, so this thing has continued, this, this line has continued to diverge from all other previous <laughs> lines. Again, some high quality technical analysis, not technical analysis, and high quality market analysis by Bankless. Lines looking different. <laughs> lines are different. <laughs> lines looking different, lines looking bad. Um, lines going down on the bond market while line going up on the strength of the US dollar. This is another line. This this looks scary here's a, as well. Here's a great line. <laughs> uh, this is the tweet, no words. And this is depicting the drawdown in total market capitalization of US equity and fixed income. Of course, fixed income is primarily in the form of bonds, US equity, we know what those are, uh, that is stocks. And look, we are down 57.8 trillion on the year to date basis. And what does at, that mean? Can you explain like I'm five? This is the total market cap of stocks and fixed income, stocks and bonds, down 57.8 trillion from their all-time highs. Wait, the so 57.8 trillion dollars of wealth is gone in the last like half of a year? From all-time high, yeah. From all-time highs. That's a that's a lot from whenever than the, the all-time highs cap. Went. Yeah, it's big. The and, crypto uh, total market cap is uh, under one trillion. Yeah, <laughs> so we've it, lost we've lost fifty eight crypto industries in 2021, 2022. There you go. When you high. put it that way, I don't feel so bad, David. I cannot <laughs> doing great. Uh, Mike Novogratz makes the comment that this is three x GDP. That's what we're talking about. Fifty seven point eight trillion dollars is three x GDP. All right. So if you have your money in equities and you have your money in bonds, which most pensions do. You're feeling a wee bit of pain right now. Like this does not feel good. This does not feel, uh, this does not feel healthy, certainly. Yeah. And uh, we are actually maybe starting to see signs of pensions uh, get into hard times. Pensions going bust, question mark. I don't know too much about this story, how it's developing, but this is a headline from the Wall Street Journal. UK pensions push into hard to sell assets, expose them to a cash squeeze. That headline sucks. <laughs> yeah, that, that headline's pretty bad. What, what it means, UK pensions push into hard to sell assets. That means previously UK pensions bought hard to sell assets and that exposure to them has put them into a cash squeeze. Wall Street Journal improve your headlines. But basically pensions <laughs> have a bunch of illiquid assets uh, and they can't sell them because of illiquidity crisis. Get, get advice from Bankless headlines, okay? Lines going down. All right. I, that Things are sucks. terrible. That's, that's... <laughs> Break it down so that people understand. All right, Wall Street Journal. Uh, so that's what's going on. And mm -hmm. I guess the you know the macro take here is has always been the take as we had sort of that macro sprint uh, back over the summer of just trying to understand what's going on. Right, strengthening dollar, mm -hmm. bonds getting worse. The question is, how long will bondholders be holding the bag for uh, all of the inflation costs? Right, mm -hmm. and so. The question in my mind and the question that, that uh, Bianco and other macro analysts that we brought on Bankless have always brought up is how long will uh, the central bank, will jo Jerome Powell, continue to tighten? And the answer has always been until things start to break. All right. Are these signs of things breaking? I mean, bondholders cannot be happy at this point in time. We have uh, UK pensions maybe feeling some pressure in a squeeze. Are things starting to break? Are we starting to see early signs of a fracture? And yet the Fed continues to tighten. So this is the question. And I almost think, David, I want to get some more macro voices on, on Bankless yeah. to answer this question of how far can the Fed actually push uh, the markets before things break? Well, it seems to be it's breaking in a number of different ways all at once. There seems to be a number of things that seem to are on like the precipice of breaking. The bond market, 
I guess that pushes the pension plans into bad spots. Stock market's bad, down bad. Like people are going to start to go insolvent in the stock stock market. Uh, I mean, it's now it's a game of like, no, wait, wait, what's going to break first? Like, because there's many different well, fractures, including there's talk of like you know inflation being sort of a, a lagging indicator, and maybe we're actually right. entering deflationary territory. And um, I mean. That could be worrisome because if you right. tighten too hard too fast and you're only responding to lagging indicators, what if you turn the entire economy into worse than a recession, into a deflationary depression? I think the the idea that we have a ton of inflation because the Fed was too slow to increase interest rates, followed by now we have a bunch of deflation because the Fed was too slow to pivot and reduce interest rates, seems like a reasonable future scenario to have. That's too simple, though. They got to see that, right? <laughs> let's not. If you're Powell, you're just like, let's not make the same mistake we made by responding you would hope, too late yeah. to the thing. You would hope. Okay. Are, well, are our central bankers smart or are they dumb? I've never been able to answer that question. I've never been able to answer that question. Because sometimes I wonder if, if, they, if they are smart, but they're acting dumb. That right. could be part of the game, Because like that, that, that whole angle really throws a curveball into the whole analysis. <laughs> I think they're actually smart. I think <laughs> playing, they're smart. And dumb? And sometimes they play dumb. I think that's yeah. the case. And sometimes they're just dealing with the the cards they were dealt, sure. and like kind of the political, sure. um, yeah, the tools at their disposal as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk about the crypto economy, an economy that we understand a little, a bit, little more. bit more. I, oh, this <laughs> ultrasound on money makes me feel so comfortable. I understand everything on this page. So do I. <laughs> I understand this page. It all makes sense to me. It's just like ah, <sighs> I, I don't have to worry about like it's all algorithmic. The lines on this page look good. Yes, the lines look good. All right, so we are actually not ultrasound though, David. Right. Post merge yet. Um, so we looked at this last week. Just I gotta look mm-hmm. at it again this week. We have increased supply of ETH, eight thousand five hundred ETH worth of supply. However, I'm gonna click this button. This is a fun button. Versus if we AI. didn't merge, Sorry. we would have been how much, David? You said a hundred and eighty thousand. So eight and a half thousand versus 180,000 ether issued. Uh yeah, that's different. So ETH issuance hanging at about 0.18%. Mm-hmm. That's the annual issuance as of now, but that can change quickly and David, maybe we go through that in a few tweets. Uh what's this first tweet we're looking at? Yeah, so this was an interesting take that actually a lot of people in my circles were like, "Oh, I I didn't think about this." Uh this tweet says, "Minor payouts artificially increase the gas price." Now that there now there are five hundred thousand less of such regular transactions, I think they mean that uh, I don't know what on, on a time frame that is. Maybe on a daily time frame, um, but basically, here's how this works: um, minor pools. If you are an independent miner mining at home, or you have just like you're not a massive, you're not massive. You join, you generally join a mining pool. Almost everyone joins a mining pool. You just smooth out your payouts that way. You group together so that instead of like once a year you receive two ETH. Uh, you get a regular payout of like 0.1 ETH every every bit of time, every time you accrue a balance. Uh, and so th- I remember doing this when I was um, I would mine with a nano pool. Um, and so I would get every time my threshold, my like a balance would hit 0.2 ETH, I would get a payout. It would go to my wallet and nano pool would pay me out. They would mine the block. They would get all the rewards and they would pay me for my hash power. That's how a mining pool works. And so all these individual miners are getting paid smaller microtransactions. On chain? Every- 
on chain as they as miners are paid out. And so this was a huge part, apparently, of Ethereum block space consumption of just regular Ether payments to miners all over the world as they comprise these mining pools. So eliminating the proof of work mining also eliminated all of these highly regular micro Ether payments to all these miners all across the world. And so that's a big reason as to why gas prices have been down so much post-merge. Uh, is because we are no longer paying out like thousands and thousands and thousands of miners all at once all over the world. Uh, people people forgot to consider this. So the take here is the merge made Ethereum transactions cheap. Yeah. And what is the gas price right now, David? Uh, 15 quay. 15 quay. Yeah, we actually had a huge spike an hour ago. Uh, actually, I think I put that into the weekly roll. Yeah, you're about to click on that tweet. Uh, so we had a, an NFT drop, I think, I, I believe. Uh, gas price hit 100 guay. It was between 60 and 100 guay for a good, like, almost hour or so. Uh, and the cool thing is, is that we burned about eight hours worth of Ether inside of 40 blocks. And so, like, in five to 10 minutes, we burned eight hours worth of Ether issuance. Uh, and like this is a point I've been trying to drive home. We could go like a year of inflationary ether. And then if another NFT market or NFT bull or DeFi season, whatever happened, we could burn all of that inflated issued ether for the last year inside of two weeks if the gas markets pick up again. And so Dom, I'll, I'll shout out to Dom, but I'm gonna, this is gonna be the last time I shout this out because I'm totally gonna take all future credit for this. Uh, Dom in my, <laughs> in my replies uh, said, uh, capped issuance, uncapped burn. Nice job, Dom. Uh, capped issuance, uncapped burn. Uh, and so that's a great way of illustrating the monetary system of Ether. And Dom, every time David tries to steal that from you, I'm going to remind folks where it came <laughs> from, okay? That's yours, Dom. You take that. The other interesting uh, thing I saw this week is back onto that ultrasound money uh, supply growth chart. You can actually flip back yeah. to the actual website. You can see the days of the week in the Ether issuance. And so you see in the left hand of that uh, that curve, that, that waviness, where like, yeah. you know, the mornings people wake up and they, you know, do some transactions and, and, then, and then the weekends ether gets issued because like gas Slows markets down. are depressed, it's depressed. This week, this week was almost an ultrasound week like that. The, it looks like it's capped over the last like five or six days. So there hasn't been much issuance over the last five or six days. And it's the difference between the weekends where the wavy parts where you get the congestion, the rush hour, if you will, of Ethereum versus uh, the weekdays, excuse me, the weekdays are where you get the rush hour, the weekends are where, where you get the supply growth. Wait, 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 you say on Ethereum, we're bankless, yet we're keeping banker hours? Like we don't do gas transactions hey, no, on like weekends? The, the society organizes around human economic activity. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so like, yeah, like- uh, Take holidays off. Exactly, the express expressways on highways go point in certain directions based on user demand, right? And so uh, I just think it's cool that Ethereum is such a finely tuned machine that you can see the days of the week on the supply growth chart, which I think is illustrative of a great system. Great system, absolutely. Great system. Uh, really cool. Um, David, let's talk about one of the other pieces of meta we think might exist during this bear market season that we're in, and that is an emphasis on protocol profitability. Love it. This was a really good dashboard put together by the folks at Token Terminal, and it shows the earnings of all sorts of different DeFi and layer one protocols. I think actually only Ethereum Ethereum is the only layer one here. Um, I haven't been able to see the others, but um, you can actually look at this on a 24 hour day uh, time horizon, a seven day time horizon, 30, all the way out to kind of max and see, let's look over the last week, uh, Ethereum earned 
negative five million dollars <laughs> negative five so million it's, dollars <laughs> <laughs> it's not profitable but that was a lot worse uh previously when it was issuing so much so uh -huh. the the way you get profits of course is like what are the revenue what what's the revenue of a blockchain blockchain spell sell blocks as we've said so many times so the revenue is uh burnt eth essentially and um and fees as a result of a uh, payment for blocks uh and the cost is the issuance itself mm -hmm. And so the earnings over the long run of ETH look real bad. Oof. Negative $21 billion Oof. in ETH issuance. More that went to miners. This is why miners to... are so toxic. Sorry to cut you off, but this is $21.7 billion that got handed to miners. So miners yes. got all that money. They got all that money. It was very expensive, very expensive. is what we would say. It was, uh -huh. it was like a combustion engine relative to a new engine that gets you know, engine, far, yeah. far more yeah, electric. Uh, and so we have other DeFi protocols as well. And you can look, the last seven days, OpenSea made $2 million in earnings. DYDX, we've got MetaMask here, we've got Magic Eden here, Lido Finance. Uh, what do you make of this dashboard and earnings in general, David? So the, the first thing I'm noticing on the, on the right side, the earnings, is like there's a lot of red. Uh, Ethereum negative $343 million over the last 30 days. That's because a lot of the last 30 days had proof of work issuance. But Uniswap negative $302, I mean $302, whatever. OpenSea made $904 million. That's why it's a good business. Lido negative 5.9, Convex Finance negative 2.8. Ave negative seventy two thousand, so not that not that much. GMX negative three point four. DYDX negative three point eight million. Lots of negatives. Lots of negatives. They're all red. Uh, the next era of crypto, and crypto is going to die if these things don't flip green. They have to flip green at some point in time. And I think we're going to this. I think this is going to be the crescendo of the next bull market. Is that slowly one of these one of these orgs figures out their issuance, their costs, their revenues, and it flips green. And then the next one flips green. And then the next one flips green. And this is going to trigger the next bull market, is that these things all start to flip green and their earnings outweigh their costs. We already have a decent number of things that have flipped green. OpenSea, MetaMask, uh, there's a centralized company, so they don't have like protocol issuance. But MakerDAO, green. Pro uh, Perpetual Protocol, green. One Inch, green. Arbitrum, green. Magic Eden, green. But then if you keep on scrolling down, it's just like red, 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 red. Token issuance, yield farming, like DAO payments, yield incentives, blah, 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 blah. Make it green. If you're if you're part of the DAO that's red, go into your DAO and start making it green so we can have our bull market back. That's what you need to do. Go find profit. I yeah. think there's some gems here too to, to be looking at from mm -hmm. an investment perspective is investing in profitable protocols. It might be some alpha. Uh, David, Crazy you got a alpha. Could you imagine? Yeah, can you imagine a protocol, <laughs> a crypto protocol that actually makes money? Uh, David, we got a lot coming up next. Number one, the CFTC is attacking DAOs next. Sad. Did our good regulator just turn bad? Did they go the way of the SEC? And also, we're going to talk more about the NFT industry, how it's exploding in activity. Guys, we'll be right back with the rest of the roll-up. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Juno is bringing crypto-friendly banking straight into your checking account. With Juno, you can send money from your Juno checking account straight onto a layer two, like Polygon, Optimism, Arbitrum, and they have ZK Sync and StarkNet support on their way. You can skip the ACH wait times, you can skip all the gas fees, and go straight from your checking account to an Ethereum layer two in seconds. Inside Juno, you can buy and sell crypto with $0 fees, and your Juno checking account comes with a metal MasterCard 
that gives you up to 5% cash back on your spending. Juno is also giving you $10 cash back on your first crypto deposit and $100 when you set up a direct deposit. This ad just writes itself. So go sign up at juno.finance slash bankless. ZK Sync is an Ethereum layer two network that is pushing the frontier of high performance blockchains that don't compromise on security or decentralization. ZK Sync has combined the power of zero knowledge rollups in the Ethereum virtual machine, enabling developers to build the greatest Web3 projects possible, ones we haven't even seen yet. Crypto needs its killer applications to onboard the world, but crypto killer apps need ZK Sync as a platform to build on first. It's generally accepted that zero knowledge rollups are the conclusion of crypto blockchain scaling technology, and ZK Sync is leading the into the final frontier of crypto economics. So if you're a developer who wants to build your app on a future-proof foundation, which gives your users the best UX possible, check out ZK Sync's website at zksync.io. And yes, there's also going to be a token, so give them a follow on Twitter too, at zksync. The CFTC charges OkiDAO for an illegal offering of off-chain digital asset trading, registration violations, and failing to comply with the Bank Secrecy Act. All normal things to charge something for if they did all of that stuff, but they charged a DAO and they're going after token holders, which is very new and very different and puts forth an interesting premise that the CFTC will actually have to prove in court that DAO token holders did these things. But that is exactly what the CFTC is going to try and do. Apparently, they are trying to sue a DAO how that is going to work will be interesting. Um, I was pretty stunned by this last yeah. week when I saw these tweets, pretty, David. Pretty disappointed. This is the filing itself. And so the CFTC, which is the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, of course, they regulate commodities in the US. Um, and their, I guess, uh, their brother organization is the SEC, which regulates securities. They just issued an order and a filing uh, to charge B0X. BZX, yeah. also, also, also known as Okidal. It's one of the same thing. I guess they rebranded. So, yeah. And so they are charging the founders, Tom Bean and Kyle uh, Kissner, yeah. for illegally offering leveraged and margin retail commodity tra transactions in digital assets, engaging in activities only registered futures CFTC merchants can perform, and failing to adopt a customer identification program as part of the Bank Secrecy Act compliance program. So th these are the charges laid. Uh, that in itself is is somewhat surprising. I'm not sure exactly what B0X was into and up to. And the most surprising part about it was not the charges, but who the charges are laid against. Uh, this is a tweet from Carlo.eth. Yesterday, the CFTC filed a declaration informing the court that it seeks to essentially charge every voting member of Okidao via its chat bot and forum posts. So the CFTC filed a lawsuit against members of the DAO itself. This is a stunning new development for the space because if approved by the court, it will create legal precedent, allowing regulators to claim proof of service of a legal action against every member of the decentralized entity, every member of the DAO via notice to its website. The CFTC claims that it got confirmation that members were served by monitoring the chat posts between DAO members. Oof. It remains to be seen how the DAO members will mobilize and fight and respond. Stay tuned for more. So the CFTC was actually monitoring chat posts between DAO members, and they are not only charging the founders of this protocol, they are charging individuals inside of the DAO, particularly those individuals who voted 
in governance of this protocol. That to me, David, is absolutely stunning and it is completely unclear that they have ju jurisdiction over this. This is really a regulation by enforcement type of move by the CFTC. And what's interesting here, David, is as you were alluding to early, earlier, the CFTC has traditionally been kind of crypto forward, crypto friendly, mm -hmm. um, curiously innovative. Well, it seemed like the SEC to date has been much more aggressive, um, you know, late, like a much more aggressive and hostile and unclear take on uh, the crypto industry writ large. We haven't previously seen that from the CFTC. And so this is a kind of a stunning move. And uh, I was very surprised to see it. Yeah, this is this is going to take a while to unpack. There's a lot of things to to think about here. There, I'll always stand by what I say, which is if it can be regulated, then it should be regulated. And so it's interesting to watch the attempt of the CFTC to regulate a DAO. Um, just because something is a DAO doesn't mean it has immunity, right? And so uh, if the DAO is doing illegal stuff and those members of that DAO are like KYC'd and identified and known to the CFTC, that gives the CFTC kind of the surface area they need to go after the BZX entity like the DAO itself if they're going after the individual members so they're not like taking the bzx like llc to court because that's not an entity that's what a DAO is but they are taking individual members and leadership of the DAO and going after them which kind of effectively is the same thing kind of even scarier if there's no limited liability corporation protecting these individuals uh all i see here ryan is like there's probably members of the DAO that are anonymous that the CFTC can't go after because they don't know who they are. All this is doing is promoting and incentivizing anonymity, uh, which it's, is probably bad. I think it's pushing anonymity. It's also pushing uh, DeFi innovation outside of the borders of the U.S. Because why would you do this as a U.S. citizen? This is Jake Trevinsky's take. The CFTC's BZX enforcement action may be the most egregious example of regulation by enforcement in the history of crypto. We've complained at length about the SEC abusing this tactic, but the CFTC has put them to shame. Wow, strong words coming from Jake. He uh, continues, it's deeply disappointing to see the CFTC damage its own reputation like this among those who care about the future of crypto in the United States, especially at a critical moment while it pitches itself to Congress as the right agency to regulate digital commodity trades. This is kind of like, uh, you know, the Obi-Wan and Anakin meme of like, you were the, the chosen one. one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, the it's the CFTC has previously almost promoted itself to Congress and legislators as the group right. that could both support the regulatory ambitions of the U.S., but also foster innovation for crypto. And it uh, feels like we're almost trading one devil for the other if this is the kind of action they're going to take against uh, the crypto industry. Um, but here's a bright side, David. I want you to read this tweet from uh, wchughes.eth. Sure. He says, a court has to agree with the CFTC for these theories about DAO liability for a token to be meaningful. Basically, if you own the token, are you a DAO member, DAO leader, DAO executor? Uh, the bill continues and says, that's not going to be an easy fight for the CFTC. Chill out, everyone. The world hasn't ended. Uh, so this is opening a door, but there's still so much left to unpack what, what is behind this door. So this is going to be an ongoing saga. It's another example of uh, this all gets settled in courts, I yeah. guess. We're seeing more of yeah. more of that. Um, there's also a silver lining. settled in courts. So. <laughs> right. Uh, there's also a silver lining that there was a uh, commissioner, Summer Mersinger, who dissented. 
And Hester Perstyle, she wrote an entire dissent on the CFTC's action. Of course, she is a commissioner, so she is a representative of the CFTC. But uh, why don't you read her statement here, David? It's basically mm-hmm. under the, the, the headline, it didn't have to be this way. Right. And she's talking to her own organization by saying that it didn't have to be this way. What does she say? Yeah, basically she says, uh, one one small paragraph in the longer uh, dissenting statement says, unfortunately, I cannot support the commission's approach to this particular matter. While I do not condone individuals or entities blatantly violating the CEA or our rules, we cannot arbitrarily decide who is accountable for these violations based on an unsupported legal theory amounting to regulation by enforcement while federal and state policy is developing. For these reasons, I am respectfully dissenting in this matter. Um, Thank you, Summer. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, This was surprising out of the CFTC. Like we said, like CFTC has always been like the good guy in stark contrast to the CSEC. So I'm kind of hoping this is a little bit of like, not not a mistake, but just like, since it's out of character, the CFTC has like more like, we know Gary Gensler is coming after us. This could be an anomaly out of the CFTC. And that is like, perhaps my fingers crossed silver lining is this is an anomaly. I think that's a good take and that's a hopeful take. Yeah. Uh, I also wonder, I have another take on this, and this might be a more pessimistic take on it, and that is that um, the CFTC is is getting drained of its crypto-friendly advocates. So Brian Quintens left the CFTC, he was formerly uh, you know, a, a commissioner in the CFTC. Now, and, now uh, works in crypto. He now works in, in crypto. Um, we've also had uh, Christian Carlo, who is mm-hmm. the former head of the CFTC on the podcast, uh, he was very crypto friendly. He kind of consults and works in crypto. And so I, I wonder if um, the only regulators that are left standing or soon to be left mm. standing will be uh, crypto unfriendly regulators, right. because those that have kind of caught the crypto bug and see the vision for this thing right. are just like, I don't want to stick around this right. agency. I don't want to miss the boat. It's, pr- right. it's prosecuting crypto. I'm going to get into so. I, I wonder if that's partially what's happening as well. This is, of course, just Ryan's speculation, but that would be a more pessimistic reading of what's going on. I can definitely see that take, that it seems like uh, a very reasonable take, which is extremely bearish. It's kind of like, do you remember- Crypto the, is so bullish and such a magnet for talent that it takes all the people that see it away from the regulate, regulators where we need them to be. Well, there's this warped view, I think, among regulators too. Do you, do you remember when they were talking about like preparing the White House reports right. uh, on crypto? And um, anyone who owned crypto assets actually had to recuse themselves right. from that. Right. And so it's like, <laughs> that means all of the people who actually understand crypto, like all of the Can't crypto bulls, yeah. if you understand crypto, you're probably going to want to own some crypto, right? right. I mean, by That's nature, the way it works. <laughs> That's kind of the way it works. But now everyone who understands crypto and holds crypto has to now recuse themselves right. in the process. I mean, it's almost to me, it's just like asking everyone who holds dollars to like recuse themselves from some sort of legislation impacting right. dollars. Like it's just, right. you're going to eliminate everyone that kind of understands how the dollar system works. Um, anyway, that might be what we're up against. But let's move on to some more optimistic takes, David. NFTs are back, baby. What's going on with Fidenzas? You remember the name Tyler Hobbs, Ryan? Tyler Hobbs, the creator of Fidenzas? I don't remember him, but I do remember Fidenzas, certainly. Yeah, so he, the creator of Fidenzas, coming out with his second generative art collection. Uh, 900 new NFTs, uh, and he just finished a sale of f- at 14 ETH each. So he raised 
Re raised revenue, made money of 12,600 ether inside of the sale, $17.6 million in a bear market. And Ryan, they are beautiful. They are beautiful NFTs. Uh, if you are into this game of generative art, ooh, that one is great. They're looking like kind of like uh, patterned embroidery, like seashell art kind of thing for the, for the podcast listeners out there. Uh, but there is some new mechanisms at play here. And so this isn't just another art blocks drop that somehow did very, very well. This is a brand new style of drop where there was a something called like a strike price where you could bid how much ether you're willing to pay for an NFT. Uh, and then there would be one price selected after the fact uh, and everyone would pay that same price. And if you overbid, you got some of your ether back. So that was a cool mechanism. Uh, and then also you get to mint your own NFT. So the people that bought what these things are, they actually bought a mint pass, not the actual NFT themselves. And so minting will start soon. Uh, but you, if you have a mint pass, you can go into like this kind of create your own build an NFT algorithm workshop. So the minter and the artist and the algorithm are all having like this three-way relationship. Uh, and so if you, as a mint pass owner, you can start to tinker with some dials and make your NFT look a particular way, and then you get to mint it, uh, which is kind of cool. But overall, I think the big takeaway is that Tyler Hobbs, creator of Fidenza's, had an absolutely massively successful NFT drop with his QQL art drop. Uh, that's what it's called, QQL, uh, raising $17.6 million in the middle of an era where people thought that art blocks, specifically art blocks, were dead. That's really impressive. I would not have guessed it. Not yeah. in this economy, David. Mm -hmm. uh, how about economy. Christie's? They're doing something with NFTs. Yeah, Christie's. Uh, Christie's, uh, they were the place, the, the auction house that sold the Beeple art for $69 million. Remember that, Ryan? Yes. This is awesome. Like, we're just recapping the, the bull market right now. Christie's announced the first ever global auction house to host fully on-chain sales on Ethereum. So according to Christie's, all transactions on this new platform, including, an, uh, including after an auction, will be recorded on Ethereum. And all requisite transactions and compliance tools also in integrated, streamlining the process that it was at times a strange hybrid of crypto tech and 20th century bureaucracy in the early days of the NFT boom. The launch of Christie's 3.0 can be seen, I'm, I'm reading from the announcement here. The launch of Christie's 3.0 can be seen as a direct result of the Beeple sale in which Christie's accepted cryptocurrency Ether and allowed buyers to transfer the crypto to the auction house directly from their digital wallets. That sale was orchestrated in part by Christie's specialist Noah Davis, who subsequently left the firm to go work for Yuga Labs, now pioneering the CryptoPunks. And then also from the Christie's website, here's where it gets really, really cool. Uh, straight on the, the website, it's, what is Christie's 3.0? Christie's 3.0 is an on-chain auction platform dedicated to exceptional NFT art. Whether you're new to NFTs or already a committed member of the community, discover and bid on exclusive drops curated by Christie's. And then there's the, 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 the question like, how do I buy? To bid on Christie's 3.0 auctions, you need to connect a digital wallet. For the best <laughs> experience, we recommend connecting via a desktop browser using a browser extension such as MetaMask or Coinbase. After, after you connected your wallet, you can then set up a Christie's 3.0 account. If you're already a Christie's client, you'll be able to bid without further identity verification. If you're a new user, we'll ask you to verify your identity. Once verified, you are good to go. So MetaMask, Coinbase integration into Christie's, add some KYC and boom, you are you are making bids on the Christie's virtual metaverse auction house. Wow, that's pretty cool. And, and also the website looks fantastic. This is just like like 
right in the art world, right? Christie's yeah. is probably at the center of the art auction yes. house world. And they're basically pivoting and they're saying, stake in the ground, our new auction house, all of our resources are going to be in crypto based on Ethereum. Look at this question from the mm -hmm. FAQs, David. What currencies can I use on Christie's 3.0? Mm -hmm. Christie's 3.0 accepts Ethereum, ETH. That's period. it. That's the whole <laughs> That's thing. It. Right? This is like NFTs being denominated in Ether once mm -hmm. again. And blows my mind. If if we didn't just live through a crazy NFT bull market, and you had told me two years ago that there would be such a website and this would be in the Christie's FAQ, uh, I would have been over the moon excited about the adoption. And because I think this is happening during a bear market, mm -hmm. no one really notices, right? Life goes on. So Ryan, this to me, here's the most bullish scenario for this. The normal... Christie's business continues to go on. The regular fiat, like paintings, physical paintings, you know, analog art, that's still right. going to go on. But there's also infrastructure for normal analog art to receive a digital correlate, a digital like version of itself. And the reason why this is so bullish for Christie's like this auction house is because the internet is global, right? You have more market market participants because they don't have to leave their own home. They use internet rails like Ethereum to get money into Christie's. Who can participate in this in Christie's 3.0 versus the actual physical Christie's is an order like orders of magnitude, the scale of the internet, right? And so you can totally and easily see analog art starting to be auctioned off on Christie's 3.0 because of the global liquidity of ether and accessibility. And so I think, you know, this is gonna start as normal NFTs as we know them, but it's going to also start to bleed into like regular boomer analog art also auctioned off on this platform. And eventually the art market, the physical art market is just gonna be consumed by the digital art market because that's how the, that's how technology works. Software eats everything. Yeah, totally agree. Guys, more hot NFT news coming up next. This has been NFT week, NFT bull NFT week, week, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Disney's doubling down on NFTs. And so they've just revealed some big things we're going to talk about. Also, Apple wants a ginormous cut of all NFT sales. What are they talking about? Shocker. Tim Cook, what are you doing? We'll talk about that. There's so much activity. Guys, we'll be right back. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Rocket Pool is your friendly, decentralized Ethereum staking protocol. You can stake your ETH with Rocket Pool and get our ETH in return, allowing you to stake your ETH and use it in DeFi at the same time. You can get 4% on your ETH by staking it with Rocket Pool, but you can get even more by running a node. Rocket Pool is the only staking provider that allows anyone to permissionlessly join their network of validating nodes. Running a Rocket Pool node is easier to set up than running a solo node, and you only need 16 ETH to get started. Why would you do this? You get an extra 50 15% staking commission on the pooled ETH, so your APY is boosted. So if you're bullish ETH staking, you can increase your APY and get some extra tokens by adding your node to the decentralized Rocket Pool network, which currently has over a thousand independent validators. It's yield farming, but with Ethereum nodes. You can get started at rocketpool.net and also join the Rocket Pool community in their Discord. You can find me hanging out there sometimes in the chat, so I'll see you there. Lens Protocol is an open source tech stack for building decentralized social media applications. It is the new era for social media. We all have toxic relationships with our Web2 apps. We want to break up with them, but we can't. These applications own our digital lives and all the relationships that we've made. We need to break through to a new paradigm of social networking applications that we control rather than them controlling us. Lens isn't a social media app. It's a protocol to let a thousand Web3 social apps bloom. Lens is a permissionless and transparent social graph that is owned by the user. In crypto, we say not your keys, not your crypto. And on Lens, we say not your keys, not your profile. With Lens, your followers go with you to whatever social media application you want to use. And instead of being trapped by an algorithm chosen by that app, Lens lets 
you choose the way you want to experience your social media. Lens is the last social media handle that you'll ever need to create. So in order to get started, there is a secret code word in the show notes. Enter that code word in the Google form linked and you'll be well on your way to entering the world of Web3 Social. Disney is revealing some of its intentions with a job listing because they are looking to hire a principal counsel specializing in NFTs, the metaverse, blockchain technology, and decentralized finance to guide the company through what appears to be its coming and aggressive push into Web3. So there's a job posting for this position explaining that this uh, the attorney, the, the name of this position, will provide legal advice and support for global NFT products made in collaboration with Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution, as well as Disney Parks Experience and Products. Ryan, to me, that sounds like the full thing. That sounds like <laughs> That's Disney. the whole, the whole of Disney. Marvel, right. Disney, yeah. it's the princesses, it's all mm-hmm. of it. And additionally, the announcement continues, or the article continues, the principal counsel will provide day-to-day legal advice to Disney legal and business teams on NFT and cryptocurrency-related matters and issues, and provide thought leadership and strategic direction on products involving digital currency and blockchain technology. Wow, that doesn't sound like a, hey, who's uh, some Zoomer millennial kid who knows about NFTs? This sounds like, hey, who is... Uh, an operator who's done some awesome bang up job in the Web2 space that is all super knowledgeable about NFTs and wants to lead the entire Disney company into this NFT thing. So this is going to be a huge hire. Congratulations ahead of time to whoever lands this job. It's going to be some Chad, uh, probably. Uh, And wow. Uh, I mean, what I mean, think about the surface area between Disney and and NFTs. It's got to be infinite. Yeah, I think one thing, you know, we've been talking so much about like building the the, through the bear market, right? And when I think of builders, I think of like just all of the DeFi builders that we've had on the podcast, you know, the Hayden Adams and the, you know, the, the Stanis and, and the Kane Warwicks and all of these people, of course. But this season of the bear market, it's actually companies, it's actually corporations that were like, yeah. huh, that NFT thing was incredible. Right. And we know it's not over. And so then we just saw Christie's uh, open up their auction house in the bear market. Now we're seeing Disney doubling down and hiring a strategic position to guide all of their global NFT efforts during the bear market, right? These companies are building during the bear market as well. And I think we'll uh, we'll see the fruits of that on the other side when things get frothy again. Ryan, I, re- I remember your take that NFTs are less threatening to the Web2 traditional world than DeFi is to the banks. DeFi disrupts the banks. NFTs enhances the rest of the world. Uh, and I think we're definitely seeing that take play out. Uh, and now as a DeFi bro, I'm like, damn, those NFT people are having a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all right. You're an NFT bro too, if you want to be, yeah, David. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what's this? The Patriots with NFTs? Yeah, the New England Patriots for the international listeners. That's a football team. Uh, uh, sorry, a, an American football team. Yes. Uh, headline soccer. reads, well, no, not soccer. <laughs> yes, not soccer. That's what I not said. soccer, yes. yes. <laughs> NFT software company Chain Inc.'s four-year deal with the New England Patriots, a deal with Craft Group, which I'm not familiar with, who makes Chain the official blockchain and Web3 sponsor of the Patriots, the New England Revolution, Gillette Stadium, and Patriot Place. Uh, so the Patriots football team has a official blockchain and web3 sponsorship in the craft group david who's, your, who's your favorite uh player on the patriots huh oh uh, this 
Tom Brady on a, on a Patriots? I'm going to say yes, because I have no idea. Oh, <laughs> yes. Well, first off, he's definitely not my favorite player. Is Tom Brady on? <laughs> it's, it's just the only one that David can Who does about. Tom Brady huge, play Huge for? football fans on Bankless. <laughs> uh he plays for oh he's now on the tampa bay buccaneers when the hell did that Damn, happen we're gonna get we're about to get destroyed in the comments oh we are oh we are gonna get absolutely should, destroyed should we cut hang this? on can i make sure that he was actually on the patriots he so better have been or we're definitely cutting this this is not making the show for this wrong uh yeah it was a patriots it was a patriots i got that one knew it yes all right we just don't keep up with football all the time since crypto that's that that's all it is you want you want to uh, hear a fun fact ryan about football yeah I played oh, on my high school's football team. You did? <laughs> yeah. What position? <laughs> Wide receiver and kicker. Wow. Like, yeah. was it fun? Were you good? Like, no. Oh, I was a good kicker. I was a super good kicker. Um, I was, was called. Fun. I was called kicker. That's what they called me. <laughs> that was my name on the team. They called me kicker. Not and the it was it, it wasn't endearing. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> kicker, get the water hey, for us. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, David, punks are still hot too. More NFT yeah. bullishness. Mm-hmm. A CryptoPunk2924, a.k.a. an ape hoodie punk. Uh, if you're in the punk world, you know both. Apes are extremely rare, and a hoodie is a well-sought-after property. was sold for $4.4 million. Um, casual. Casual uh, uh, CryptoPunk sale. I will say, like, when I bought my CryptoPunk, uh, it was like, all right, I'm not that much of an NFT bro, but I want to have exposure, so I'll just buy this CryptoPunk because it feels safe. It feels yeah. like buying Bitcoin after its second bubble. Mm. which is way safer than buying after its first bubble because you don't know Lindy if effect. it's ever going to come back. So yeah, yeah. now CryptoPunks have the Lindy effect. Uh, and so I can't wait for the third bubble of CryptoPunks. Well, I bet you're like, this is the kind of headline straight from the, the bull market. It almost feels like an anachronism. Right. It almost right. feels like completely out of place here, right? Yeah, except that 3,300 ETH in the bull market would have been like $20 million, not $4.4 million. That is sad. true. There's still a lot of mm -hmm. ETH, right? And if you're buying still for ETH-denominated ETH, yeah. returns, like CryptoPunks haven't gone down that bad. In there's ETH a there's denominated a, terms. There's a small chance that that 3,300 Ether sale was also simultaneously a tax loss harvesting event for the buyer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this might not be as bullish as it appears. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's By the way, I love that you have no idea who what team Tom Brady uh, plays for, but you can tell me about a hooded crypto punk and why it's valuable. <laughs> this is bankless oh in a nutshell. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, what, what about this? Is this another? Oh, yeah, this I saw this tweet. Yeah, so pa uh, Pablo Picanso.eth, great name, by the way, retweets <laughs> the sale of this CryptoPunk and says, five years ago, I sold this CryptoPunk for $1,400. Ouch. Wow. No. Well, I, mean, he, I mean. Sorry, Pablo. No, okay. The, well, he's got no, a CryptoPunk in his profile. He's, so he's, he's got a great okay. punk in his profile. Yeah. Uh, but like, remember, uh, you can't really hate on when you sell something five years ago. Plus, you don't know. Uh, you can't hate on it, but Pablo, that's a fun fact. Um, yeah, just I hope you feel good about it. Everyone has mistakes in crypto. Bury those yeah. mistakes deep down. Never think about them. That's my strategy for coping. All the yes, things I've right, missed, right. David. Mm -hmm. How many things have you, you missed? Oh my God, I've zero. missed so many things in crypto. I've missed, I've missed zero things. <laughs> There's David. not a single thing that I've missed. <laughs> well, uh, bring that alpha to me, man, because I've missed mm -hmm. a lot over the years. But you didn't miss this on Instagram. This is from your Instagram. I think this is a recording. What are we looking at? Yeah, this is one of my friends who, uh, this is the first time I, I saw this. Uh, a the, We, we t reported on NFTs on Instagram a while ago, but it was with very select artists. Uh, and so this is the first NFT that I've seen in my own personal in Instagram wild. feed in the wild. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, it's nice because uh, it's a cool cat. So we're looking at a cool cat here, but you know, it's an NFT because these NFTs in Instagram have a little shine to them. They like, they kind of like shine, they gloss okay, over a little shine. bit. 
Yeah. That's uh-huh. the shine. Is this the gradient you're talking about? Is that the shine? Uh, well, you need to play it because this is a video, so you need to play, play it. it. But here, there it is. Oh, little, I see it. A little shine. Yeah. A little glimmer. Yeah. Only uh, NFTs get that. Only NFTs get that. Yes, exactly. That's right. Uh, this is a screen cap recording, so we can't do this, but there's a little digital collectible tab in the bottom left of the NFT. And if you tap on that, it tells you what Ethereum address owns it, no what, way. what chain it's on, Ethereum. Yeah. And really? Who, yeah. And who, who owns it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is still like, um, I think, beta launch. So it's not available to everyone. Could nope. You start, it's available like, to everyone. Yeah. So really? I was, I was going to screen record my profile of like, you can go down into, okay. So here's how you do this. Everyone pull out your Instagram and follow along. Uh, if you have an Instagram, you go and you go to your profile, the, the bottom in the bottom, right. And then you hit now. the menu. Yeah, I'm doing it on my phone. So the listeners and viewers can follow along okay. uh, your profile. And then the top, right, the drop down menu, the menu button, and yeah. there is a digital collectibles. Uh, I see button. it. Oh my God. Yeah, digital yeah. collectibles. So it is, it is rolled out to absolutely everyone. Uh, share digital collectibles with uh, followers and fans. Connect to digital yes. wallet. So I click get started. Or I hit to tap, get mm-hmm. started, connect. Oh my God. Uh, Coinbase MetaMask, wallet. Coinbase, Dapper, MetaMask, Rainbow. Rainbow. Yeah. What? How awesome, dude. What? This is bear yeah. market stuff, man. This is what right? I, just, I was just saying. Corporations are building. This is meta. Mm-hmm. What, what? How many billions of users they have? Like two point something? All of them. they have have almost all of the humans Mm -hmm. at this point in time i'm i'm literally connecting my metamask and uh you see this panda behind me yeah oh you have it on your metamask i was gonna do this with my crypto punk but my crypto punk is not on a hot wallet here's the thing i'm super private with my instagram like i have it locked down yeah you don't even have me on there (laughs) i I don't yeah i don't i've noticed (laughs) it's super it's super locked down um because so it's is just, mine that's why i didn't put up uh that, that's why i didn't put up my own instagram account or follow or david like do, yeah, follow don't david follow right me now. don't follow me I, I delete it i have less than 500 followers because i delete everyone well when are you going to change that though now now you could be an nft influencer nope. on uh, instagram nope not going to happen nope it's twitter only twitter, twitter is for only. like business is crypto instagram is for friends that's just my life that's the way my, I my to instagram is specifically Family. for people i have met in real life yeah yes. there you go and like the last time I Good talked job. about this on Bankless, I got roughly like 300 follows on my Instagram account. I was like, oh you guys God. didn't fucking listen. Scary. No, 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 no. This is this is the thing with crypto. You tell people not to do the thing and then it makes them more <laughs> bullish about doing the thing. Don't okay. buy my token. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't buy my token. Works every time. But you know oh, what's okay. crazy about this? Meanwhile, so we've got one tech giant which is adding NFTs to their social media profile. Meanwhile, Apple wants to charge a 30% cut on all NFT sales. Shocker. If there's an app, like say OpenSea, for example, I'm imagining, uh, that you download from the Apple um, store, and put that app on your iPhone, they want 30% of all of those sales. Like that just doesn't work in crypto. What yeah, are you guys that's, talking that's about? That's not gonna do it. The fact that this was even, the, like, OpenSea charges 2.5%, looks rare charges 2%. Like, how does how did we ever become okay with thirty percent? How are we ever okay with your that? take rate? Is my opportunity right? That's the whole thing yeah. around cryptos. Yeah. Like these margins, these thirty percent margins can't last. Not in Web three. We'll just bypass Apple right. um, somehow, somehow. I suppose. Yeah, I, Solana, it, the Solana, well, the Solana phone. That's what this was for. I guess I don't really know a viable way aside from using the open internet, right? Rather right. than app stores to kind of bypass right. these sorts of fees. But um, this can't continue. 
Uh, but Apple thinks it can. They think they've got a monopoly on the Web3 NFT space. 30% will uh, we'll follow Fine. that. Fine, they're just going to foster more and more uh, innovation faster. So Have you yeah. have you been following uh, Epic, like Epic Games, you know, the creators no, of Fortnite and such? No, I haven't been following such? it, no. Is, uh, well, Tim Sweeney has been taking shots at Apple for a long time. There's been some beef between Epic and Apple. I remember, Apple. I remember, yeah. This is mm-hmm. Tim Sweeney tweet about this 30% NFT charge. Now Apple is killing all NFT app businesses it can't tax crushing another nascent technology that could rival its grotesquely overpriced in-app payment service. Apple must be stopped. Tim Sweeney says, wow. Apple must be stopped. Spicy, spicy wow. Tim. Well, it's hard. Nice I mean, job, you, you talk bad about Apple, right? And what do they do? Right. They have to de-plat- delist your app, deplatform you. Bad to get deplatformed mm. from Apple. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah, that's another uh, another Web2 company we have to route around in order to make this uh, make this work, make this happen. Meanwhile, David, what is the Fed doing with their central bank digital currency? I love how the block, this is the block that tweeted this out. They added breaking. Breaking. The Fed has decided to not proceed with a digital dollar, <laughs> says Powell. Breaking. Which was, which was not exactly breaking news. This has been the meme that we have been laughing about on Bankless the entire time. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell says he will not push forward with a U.S. central bank digital currency. Uh, the In the coming years... He says the coming years are focused on research and building public confidence in CBDCs, which is the same thing that they said last year, which is the same thing that they said so the, funny, the year before. Meanwhile, there China is, keeps building. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but also they don't even know this yet, but they should be saying thank God for USDC well, because that is the CBDC. This is this is the take, I think which is then if they're deciding not to do a central bank digital currency, then de facto they're adopting a ERC-20 stablecoin, they're adopting a USDC and something that's bank regulated, and they're turning it over to the private sector because the private sector ain't going to stop. So it's all fine with me, but um, I think that's what they're de facto doing is the US will not have a CDBC anytime soon, or its CDBC will effectively be USDC and we sh- should start thinking yep. about it in those terms. Um, David, Cosmos is mm-hmm. revamping its Cosmos hub and the Atom token economics. I haven't read this full paper, but I do know we are having the Cosmos folks on the podcast recording tomorrow. I think that episode's going to come out in a couple of weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know the details here, but I'm actually pretty excited about what the Cosmos yeah. ecosystem has been building lately. Do you have any takes here? Yeah, we're recording with Sonny and Zaki from the Cosmos ecosystem. And I talked to Sonny at ETHCC, and he gave me the line that the Ethereum and Cosmos visions converge upon the same end game. Uh, and so where Ethereum has really prioritized uh, security and you know, in the community has emphasized ultrasound money, the cool thing about Ethereum and one of the big reasons why I think Ethereum has done so much better as an ecosystem than Cosmos is because we had ether to focus on as like an intentional focal point and cosmos never really had that because they focused on app chains uh and so we as a as a layer two ecosystem on ethereum are now focusing on like layer threes which are like the equivalent of app chains in cosmos but cosmos has already figured out the app chain they figured that out forever ago so so ethereum is playing catch up on the app chain world where cosmos is now playing catch up on the monetary properties of the atom token shared security model yeah Uh, and so uh, really going to be an interesting podcast. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I don't know much about the economics. I'm going to have to dive into this before we do the podcast. Of but Adams. stay tuned. 
of state of atoms. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Super inflationary. It's never meant to be money. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I was a, an old um, Cosmos staker from way back. Yeah, and I remember, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I want to talk to him a little bit about that. But um, a lot of building uh, going on in this space and these new economics I, look interesting. I will say that I judge a lot of protocols by their names and Ethereum and Ether. Oh, my God. It's such a good name. Cosmos and Atom can definitely give Ethereum a run for its money. Do you like that? Great. I love the names. I love the names. It's yeah. Cosmos and the atoms or atomic units. Is this yeah, why? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah. All right. Here was something that happened over the weekend. Talk of reversible transactions. Imagine an ERC-20 transaction, David, that you could reverse after the fact. But I thought blockchains were f- for immutability. Uh, right. Not the case. This is the case by... Um, Cali.eth, billions in crypto stolen. If we can't stop the thefts, can we reduce the harmful effects? Over recent months, a couple of other Stanford researchers, and I at Stanford as in the university, and I drew out and prototyped ERC20R slash 721R to support reversible transactions on Ethereum. So an NFT standard and an ERC20 token standard that supports reversibility of transactions. There was a lot of I guess back and forth about this because right. there's a camp that says like immutability is part of crypto what are you guys talking about bring right. reversibility into our yeah. ecosystem like immutability is the whole point and there was another take that said hey this is just an option use it or don't mm-hmm. use it you can do right. either uh where do you fall on this spectrum I, I initially was compelled by like you know this is open source software turing complete we can write whatever code that we want this is just another tool and a massive tool belt of what we want to do with stuff so i was initially in the option like sure like whatever like people might use this they might not i don't really i would never see a reversible transaction being a uh, token being collateral inside of like ave or or compound or something because you need settlement assurances but then i've thought about it more and more and more and eric connor helped convince me is that it's just like a Trojan horse for so many bad things. And a reversible transaction belongs in the centralized layer of things. Put reversible transactions where there are central authorities to arbitrate. Reversibility requires arbitration. Arbitration requires centralization. Uh, and so it doesn't humans make any sense. In the middle. It requires humans. Uh, so reversibility doesn't should not be at the bare metal, right? Uh, and so... Sure, anyone can build this. Anyone can use it. Uh, I don't support it. Uh, it but is, you would be upset if, it, if all the tokens from here on out adopted it, for example. Oh my God, that would make it CFI. That would make that would break the whole entire point of Ethereum. Right. That would be terrible. Right. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. So I I get the duality of these takes. Like it's to me, it's fine to have as an option, but I don't want it to be the de facto option on Ethereum. Certainly, yeah. we'd have a problem yeah. if that was the case. Uh, interesting yeah. standard, though. David, what's going on with Zach mm-hmm. XBT? Yeah, Zach XBT, he is this famous, uh, what would you call him, investigator, I guess? Private uh, detective, uh, almost like a private, private eye. Yeah, yeah the, the, but the, vigilante, he works for himself, right? He's not hired Exactly, yeah. I, I would put him shoulder to shoulder with Sam Z Sun. Sam Z Sun is a white ha- hacker, so when there is an exploit that needs to be patched, Sam Z Sun is first. Zach is, is not, he doesn't do that, but he like discloses people that aren't disclosing their things uh, he's the guy he's the guy that um he finds out uh, all the dirty little secrets on exactly. chain that people don't want exactly. you to see he's the guy that revealed zero x seafood to be the quadringa cx uh uh gerald Patton or john Patton, that guy so yeah. he, zach bxbt is renowned for showing who is pumping and dumping what uh and so lark davis the crypto lark uh 
is the next person to have been found out as a pumper and dumper. And who is the CryptoLark? Just kind of an influencer, right? He's been around since 2017. I remember listening to his YouTube videos in 2017. Uh, he's kind of this just like unintimidating uh, white crypto YouTuber dude uh, who has just a big following and friendly, turns out... Friendly looking. Friend, friend, friendly looking face. Yeah. Uh, and turns out he has more or less explicitly been like pumping and dumping on his followers. Uh, so, Do you know, I was another, on our another show, one bites the dust. I think 2019 really? or 2020. Yeah, he invited me really? on the show. I didn't know him very well and he was just like, come on and talk about Ethereum. You seem to know a lot about it. So yeah. I went in and I talked about my bags, David. Ether. Yeah. Yeah. Ether. And I dumped them on Lark's followers. <laughs> you sell Ether? I don't sell Ether, actually. I mean, very infrequently. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fine collector of Ether tokens. A fine collector of Ether, yeah. See, I think, the, okay, it's, it's tough. And this is one of the, when I talk about the Genesis story of Bankless Ryan, I say like, hey, the crypto media world was starved for yeah. a trustworthy media institution that's business model is The bar isn't was dumping. low. The bar was extremely <laughs> low, dude. This we was our competition. Over the bar. We like, don't hey, dump on our followers. That's all. Like that's right all you idea. have to do. Let's make a let's make a media institution that instead of dumping on followers has ads. So, yeah. so uh, for all the people that hate on the ads, like pick your battles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we don't. I, I do think so. Um, I mean, you can go through all of the, the details of what Zach uh -huh. XBTC uh, uncovered, but it's basically like low cap tokens, yeah. pump them up, um, show them to your followers, and then dump, make billions Receive of dollars. For free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? This is uh, a certain breed of crypto influencers, a business model. It is yeah. not the bankless business model. I mean, we get, model. we get paid through uh, premium subscribers and also mm -hmm. through advertisers, not by dumping on you. And we're yeah. also long term investors. And I also kind of suck right. at low cap uh, coins and yeah. like dumpage anyway. But one thing I will say is I think um, the entire crypto industry, particularly crypto media entities like us, have to do a lot better when it comes to disclosures and transparency. Yeah. And Something so on, for sure. on the back of some of this stuff from Zach XBT, um, we've had internal meetings about, okay, how can we like in, in rapidly, how can we drastically increase the transparency of anyone who works on content within Bankless and kind of what they're holding. So we're actually looking to uh, to roll out a new page with all of kind of the stats and all of our holding, all of our angel investments, everything we have uh, starting the beginning of next month. Mm -hmm. So we'll be including that in a link in the YouTube show notes and the podcast mm -hmm. show notes for all of our listeners. And I think there are other organizations that do this well, but we also mm -hmm. wanna like, um, you know, carry the flag and uh, because we recognize that it's a problem yeah. in the space. Yeah. And if you're asking why haven't we done this sooner, we have, we do have a page uh, that is like this, but we haven't had a website. Uh, so when Ryan says we're rolling out a, a, a site, we're actually rolling out an entire website as well, uh, unrelated. And and because of that website, we have like a landing page for disclosures. Yeah. Uh, we, we've ha we've had our like disclosures out for a while. It's just they're not easy to find and easy to get to. And, and they not also a lot, not as much, much detail as we now have. Yeah. Like, look at this yeah. detail. So it is all getting glowed up. Glowed up. Uh, we list our wallets, our public wallets. Yes. Not, not not our dumping wallets. Particular, <laughs> David. Don't even joke, man. <laughs> Sorry. Don't even joke. Hey, Zach XBT. I mean, come look oh, at that, our there, He would find me out in a heartbeat. I'm yeah, so I'm bad. I'm like, too fearful of Zach. XBT. Now that tornado cash is gone, I can't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gone. It's still there. It's just yeah, you're not right. allowed to use it. Yeah. Um, 
this is cool in releases this week. Robinhood selects Polygon to launch its Web3 wallet beta. Do you remember when Vlad, the CEO of Robinhood, we had that conversation with him at Permissionless, I believe, and he told mm -hmm. us this was coming. Here it is. Now it's based on Polygon, which is pretty cool. cool. And you know Robinhood has great UX uh, wallets, right? So like he was talking exactly. about the haptic response. Do you remember this? Yeah, I remember that. It's like haptic when, response. When you press a button, you just feel kind of a vibration. Yeah, it bounces on your back phone. at you. Bounces yeah. back mm -hmm. at you. Um, gives you yeah, pleasure sensations. I don't know what this is, but <laughs> does something to the endorphins. Uh, anyway, I'm looking for a really cool UX uh, wallet. And Dave and I are hoping to get on the, the beta program so we can uh, test this out for you guys too and tell you what we think. Yeah, uh, there was always a large number of questions as to how Robinhood plans on releasing some of their promises, like gas-free trading, et cetera. Uh, so we're starting to get some clarity on that. So Yeah, cool. that's good. Cool. Safe tokens and safe DAO are here. This is safe from Gnosis Safe. Uh, if you have a multi-sig or have had a multi-sig or operated a multi-sig, you might have gotten an airdrop. There's a link in the show notes to go check that out to see if you got some tokens. Uh, I think so we got to claim some tokens, tokens, David, at some we point. We do have to claim some tokens. We have a yeah. Gnosis uh, Safe, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Also coming out of OpenSea, excited to share that Optimism is currently live on OpenSea. Really, actually, I think OpenSea is live on Optimism since Optimism is the actual platform, but semantics. Uh, yeah. Uh, so OpenSea and Optimism now working together. So that's pretty cool. Uh, tail wagging the dog there. Uh, sound yeah. Protocol, what is this? <laughs> sound Protocol, sound.xyz, aka music NFTs, uh, is now, they are announcing the Sound Protocol. Permissionless base layer, artist owned and non upgradable song contracts, per, per, permanent and decentralized metadata, custom int formats, and payments with end to end royalties. Uh, Cooper Turley's music NFT thesis, slowly but surely playing out. Are you a uh, sound well NFT pilled yet, David? A little bit. Uh, I I am music NFT pilled. Yes. Music NFT pilled. I am music NFT pilled. It could Cooper be any sound it. though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when when bankless interim music NFT. We should do NFT. that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is cool. Circle expands USDC stable coins to support five new blockchains. So Circle getting USDC everywhere on Cosmos, Near Optimism, and Polkadot this time around. And they Arbitrum. Just, and Arbitrum. Oh, cool. And they just announced that at their Converge 22 conference, which, of course, we've been talking about for a while, that, that conference. David, let's Wait, get to raises. USCC is not on Arbitrum? Yes, it is. Um, it definitely is. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I've, I, I literally own USDC on Arbitrum. I own USDC on Arbitrum. I what hope the it's the right USDC, David. <laughs> oh, go, no. <laughs> well, um, maybe they're doubling down on their support. Maybe it's a different Arbitrum network, right? Like, you know, one of the... Arbitrum Nova, yeah, Not sure. Arbitrum Nova or something like this. Yeah. Uh, what's going on in the world of raises? Raises. Coinbase Ventures backed crypto firewall provider Harpy. Harpy, $4.5 million raise. Uh, cool. There we go. Cool. Uh, Pantera. Our friend uh, Dan from Pantera is launching a new fund, potentially a $1.25 billion fund. Couldn't resist these bear market prices. You got to deploy some more capital. So that's what Pantera looks to be about to do. David, FTX and mm -hmm. CZ from Binance, they were who both won? bidding for Voyager. Guess who won? Guess who won? And place your bets right now. If you are listening to the podcast, not viewing it, place your bets. Here it goes. Here we goes. Sam Bankman-Fried won. Yep. SBF. Uh, $1.4 billion bid. SBF wins. Uh, kind of make that sense. Like the, yeah, I feel like that was the logical one. So Facing sorry, CZ. Do you know um, SBF is kind of like the the Morgan, I was going to say Morgan Friedman. No, not the Morgan Freeman. The, the JP Morgan. <laughs> 
of the era and buying up all of these kind of underwater banks and coming out stronger on the other side. I think both CZ and SBF are going to be an absolute force to be reckoned with on the other side of this bear market. Uh, By the way, the Celsius token just jumped. As SBF said, he is maybe eyeing buying Celsius next as part of his Mm. buying spree. So Mm. Celsius token owners excited about that. Um, Mm. Not much to be excited about if you're a Celsius token owner, but I guess uh, that little whiff I don't know why that that's bullish to begin with. I I, I don't know that it is either. I guess, you know, some bailout is bullish. Uh, What else we got? Because Celsius token holders, there, there are no rights. So like Sam could be like, well, we're buying Celsius. I don't give a crap about the sell token holders because they have no investor rights. Like I, ignore them. David, give them something to be excited about, okay? They've, they've had a pretty hard year, I think, if you're a Celsius token owner. You, are you a Celsius token holder, right? Um, <laughs> I, ha- I still have funds in Celsius and I think they were giving me <laughs> Celsius tokens too, but that's the least of my concerns right now. Yeah. I want my ETH back. Yeah. Alex, do you know Alex well, now, Mashinsky? You know, now you have to ask uh, Sam. Now I have to ask Sam for your ease. Well, um, well, I, I, we've had Sam on the podcast, so maybe I can. It's not his problem, though. It's just he's he's going to buy the assets. He's going to discard all of the liabilities. Right. It's going right. to be yes. a bankruptcy court's problem. Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> uh, Alex Mashinsky resigned this week, by the way. I can't oh, believe really? he was still in charge. But yeah, he he resigned from wow. uh, Celsius. Wow. So yeah. I just finished a, uh, so remember, remember my, what am I bullish on last week, uh, yeah. Ryan? It was the bankless YouTube, like short form, yeah. eight to 20 minute long videos. I just finished my gri- a video on crypto grifters. Ooh. Uh, why is, why is crypto full of scams? And I say the word Alex, Mich- the name Alex Mashinsky a few times. Yeah. He's one, he, he got in your top <laughs> he, he, he five got grift list. Yeah. Yeah. Top, <laughs> top three grifters. Yeah. He'd, he'd definitely uh-huh. be in my, well, I could guess the other ones. Doquan. Uh, yep. the three hours capitals boys. Yep. Those top uh, no. three. Nope. They no? were not grifters. No. Well, cause they just took the, yeah, they're not grifters cause they, they didn't like take in users deposits or, or I guess there are levels of grift. I mean, they were yeah, super irresponsible, yes, right? They're very, very irresponsible, but they were resp- irresponsible with, I guess they were res- irresponsible with other people's money, but like, <laughs> what's a yeah, grifter a anyway? What's, what's a, grifter a grifter among days? friends? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you got two out of the three, so we'll save the third for the video. There we go. Uh, jobs time. This is our jobs. reminder. Even though it's a bear market, there's tons of companies doing tons of hiring because they have a lot of money that they've raised during the bull market. David, should I read a few out? Are you going to dance? Please do. I'm going to dance. Uniswap Labs. Hey, they're on here. A developer relations lead. What is that? Uh, non-technical. It right? seems non-technical. You're t- talking to technical people, but it's absolutely non-technical. Senior front en- en- engineer at Uniswap Labs, senior back-end engineer for their trading platform. Uniswap Labs hiring a lot. Solid World DAO, senior Web3 developer. Rubicon, smart contract engineer. Bankless needs a social lord for socials. Non-technical. Molecule needs a head of engineering. Bankless also needs a growth marketer. Economia needs a lead designer. Silent Protocol, a full-stack smart contract engineer. Get your job in crypto during the bear run the way you do it is by logging on to bankless.pallet.com put your email address in you get these alerts via email that is the way to do it david what do we got coming up next questions from the nation uh got a nice spread of questions uh and also the takes of the week uh the five horsemen of DeFi, mr wonderful's investment strategy aka kevin o'leary which i thoroughly disagree with so we'll talk about that (laughs) Uh, and why you don't cut corners in crypto, uh, as well as what Ryan and I are bullish on. So all of that and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. And so we don't have to dump on you. (laughs) 
The Brave browser is the user-first browser for the Web3 internet, with over 60 million monthly active users. And inside the Brave browser, you'll find the Brave wallet, the secure multi-chain crypto wallet built right into the browser. Web3 is freedom from big tech and Wall Street, more control and better privacy, but there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. And most crypto wallets are browser extensions, which can easily be spoofed. But the Brave wallet is different. No extensions are required, which gives Brave browser an extra level of security versus other wallets. Brave wallet is your secure passport for the possibilities of Web3, and supports multiple chains, including Ethereum and Solana. You can even buy crypto directly inside the wallet with RAMP. And of course, you can store, send, and swap your crypto assets, manage your NFTs, and connect to other wallets and DeFi apps. So whether you're new to crypto or you're a seasoned pro, it's time to ditch those risky extensions, and it's time to switch to the Brave wallet. Download Brave at brave.com bankless, and click the wallet icon to get started. Arbitrum is an Ethereum layer two scaling solution that is going to completely change how we use DeFi and NFTs. Some of the coolest new NFT collections have chosen Arbitrum as their home, while DeFi protocols continue to see increased liquidity and usage. You can now bridge straight into Arbitrum for more than 10 different exchanges, including Binance, FTX, Huobi, and Crypto.com. Once on Arbitrum, you'll enjoy fast transactions with cheap fees, allowing you to explore new frontiers of the crypto universe. New to Arbitrum, for a limited time, you can get Arbitrum NFTs designed by the famous artists Ratwell and Sugoi for joining the Arbitrum Odyssey. The Odyssey is an eight-week-long event where you complete on-chain activities and receive a free NFT as a reward. Find out more by visiting the Discord at discord.gg slash Arbitrum. You can also bridge your assets to Arbitrum at bridge.arbitrum.io and access all of Arbitrum's apps at portal.arbitrum.one in order to experience DeFi and NFTs the way it was always meant to be, fast, cheap, secure, and friction-free. Got a question for the nation? Here's some questions we have coming up. As always, you can follow Bankless HQ on Twitter. Every Wednesday, we tweet this out, a question from the nation. You can put your reply here and we may read it on the roll-up. This is how we interact with the community. Here's the first one from Wesley Tate is asking this question. I'm gonna tee you up for this, David. What are some examples of layer three apps that you guys can envision for the future of ZK Sync or other ZK rollups? And do you have any thoughts on whether or not optimistic rollups will successfully reach layer three without sacrificing ease of use, cost, or most importantly, security? I can hear in some people's uh, reading of this question, like another question, which is layer three? What you guys three? just been talking about layer two? What is layer three? Is this some new marketing mumbo jumbo term? What is layer three? I could tell Wesley Tate listens to the Bankless podcast because that came up in our earlier State of Nation episode with ZK Sync. But tell us really quickly what, what layer three is and then attempt to answer, answer Wes's question here. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier about the app chain model of Cosmos versus the layer threes on Ethereum. So we have layer twos, we have generalized layer twos, which kind of feel and act like Ethereum itself. It's a generalized platform. You can put any code on it. You can deploy anything. But even those things can actually approach some level of saturation or congestion. Now, the difference of Ethereum being congested is like, the transaction fees go from $5 to $100. A layer two gets congested and it goes from one penny to maybe a dollar. But even a dollar is like too high of a transaction fee to pay for like so many use cases. So many use cases require like 0.1 cent transactions or less to really be unlocked. And that and that is where we go from, you know, a lot of scale to infinite scale. Uh, and layer threes is where we get that done. So not only are layer threes the ultra super, super cheap, super fast layers, but they're also the more expressive and like 
customizable and specific layers. Uh, going back, so uh, when DYDX Ryan left Ethereum to go to the Cosmos ecosystem and become an, an app-specific chain, that was in contrast to what it could have done, which is become a layer three on on Ethereum, either on top of like ZK Sync or Starkware or something. Um, but the layer three ecosystem just wasn't ready yet. Uh, but it's really starting to be, especially with ZK Sync mainnet coming right around the corner. Uh, and so what are some examples of layer three apps that we can envision for the future of ZK Sync or other ZK rollups? Let's think about things that are going to be crypto enabled, but also want to be domiciled of one specific use case. And I could see like, if we have like a big AAA game, for example, World of Warcraft, where Ryan and I use this idea of just like, we kill a boss and like a sword falls on the ground and that sword is an NFT. And if you pick it up, that NFT goes into your wallet. First, that NFT needs to get minted when the boss gets killed. Then it needs to get transferred into your wallet when you pick it up. Then you have a taxable event. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but like the, we need these cheap free transactions to really make this possible. But also at the same time, like say this is World of Warcraft or Blizzard. Blizzard doesn't want to share a chain with like a competitor or another games or anyone else. They want full control over what that chain looks like. And by the way, if they want irreversible transactions, that's where they could put it in. Um, and so layer threes are gonna be like one chain for one thing at a time. Uh, Reddit is on top of Arbitrum on uh, using Arbitrum's AnyTrust model, which is actually layer uh, a layer two, uh, an optimistic rollups strategy of going over this app chain model. And I could actually even see like a specific subreddit, which somehow becomes really, really crypto enabled. Shout out Areth Finance. This would probably be the first one where that activity, those rewards, upvotes, updutes, like rewards, whatever, all of those things become like economic assets on a chain maybe they're all worth pennies but when the transaction fee is 0. 0.0001 pennies and your upvote is worth a penny that's economic activity uh and so those are the two ones that come to mind but it's really like any sort of like coordinated community on the internet could find a layer three uh yeah, and totally. there's a lot of there's a lot of communities on the internet i think one way to think about layer threes is chains on chains on chains right, right. so mm -hmm. ethereum being the the base chain the layer one and then zk evm for example being a layer two and then you can actually stack chains sovereign chains on top of the mm -hmm. zk evm and that becomes layer three and these as you said can be app specific but they get to retain their full sovereignty so dydx is a great example of this i think there could be other DeFi applications maybe big DeFi applications yeah. that adopt this as a strategy i don't know if you saw the article uh this oh, week Alpha. david from uh dan ellitzer but um he talks about oh dan ellitzer wrote something yeah he, he basically the title of the article i can't i'm paraphrasing here is but uniswap will have a chain is the title oh of the yeah he was he gave out that tweet forever ago we included mm -hmm. it in the weekly roll-up and then and then uh, that's and then i went over to uniswap headquarters in soho and i was like yo hayden what's going on <laughs> <laughs> so like i i you know i mean dan ellitzer's making the case that uniswap will need its own chain at one point in time and you could right. imagine that being a sovereign chain of some sort maybe a layer three of some sort so these are the types of applications that we might see uh, mm -hmm. in the in the higher layers of the stack. Um, let's go to the next Great question. question. Great question. Yeah, when talking about Luna, this is from discovercrypto.eth. Uh, when talking about Luna, we often use phrases like 50 billion deleted. I think that's a verbatim David Hoffman quote. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a me. What does me. this really mean? Was the money actually burned or is the money still existing just in the pockets of early Luna adopters and or shorters? What are we talking about there? It's like, right. I think there's like 50 billion deleted. What do we actually mean? It's like, 
Where does that come from? Yeah, so this is, it's a, it's a facetious kind of sadly funny, funny sad way of saying capital destruction. There's capital creation and then there's capital destruction. So say, say like somebody makes a, makes a company, five, uh, five, 10 people all start working on this startup and then they go public. And then all of a sudden there's equity on the public market and that company has a market cap valuation of $500 million. $500 million just got created out of thin air because the market values whatever startup they had at $500 million. So that was a capital creation event of $500 million. Now when economies are good and they have stable foundations and people are innovating and exploring and building, capital is created. Yet when economies are bad, when we've invested, we've made bad investments, interest rates have to go up, capital gets destroyed. Uh, and so capital is largely a story that humans tell each other. And this is why we emphasize like hard assets sometimes, the dollar, the gold, base layer assets that things collapse back down into when times are bad. And, and then there's risk on assets, which where people buy when times are good. But capital is just a story that we tell each other as to what this thing is worth. So we, we can't sell the entire market cap of Apple and Amazon and like Netflix. Like the Apple market cap is like $3 trillion. If everyone sold all of their Apple stock all at once, there would not be a transfer of $3 trillion from buyers to sellers, right? It would destroy a ton of capital because Apple stock would basically go to zero because there's not enough buying. Like there's a pretty, Apple's super liquid, but it's not $3 trillion worth of liquid liquidity. And so when we talk about Luna and use the phrase $50 billion deleted, it's because the bid for Luna evaporated. And so one day Luna was worth $50 billion. And then the buying pressure for that Luna asset went to zero. Therefore, $50 billion of capital, which existed because there was once enough buying, there was enough of a story to buy Luna. Once that story ran out, once the bid evaporated, all of a sudden the $50 billion that people had on their net worth balance sheet turned into zero. And that is what I mean when I say $50 billion was deleted. Yeah, I think that's a good, I, I think that's a good way to think about it. It's like the story was deleted essentially, mm -hmm. right? And like, it's yeah. important. I think I, I like that you brought liquidity into the picture there because we have to remember what, how is a market cap determined? Well, you, you just take the most recent price, someone bought the thing and multiply that by the existing supply, right? That's it. That's all the market cap is. And you have to look at kind of like, liquidity of if uh you know how many how much is available on the market to actually sell or like actually right. buy and how how um resilient is that market cap to sell pressure and luna was not very resilient to sell pressure something like gold has really good liquidity something like the us dollar has a lot of liquidity there's a lot of trading volume every single day on the dollar it's a much stronger asset and i do think um you remember we did that episode way at the beginning of bankless about liquidity um mm -hmm. and how liquidity is actually a pretty good definition of of money because money, that's yeah. kind of the i guess it shows the resilience of of money assurances it's that you assurances. actually have the asset yeah right. exactly mm -hmm. uh and that it's priced for what what you know you think it will be priced uh let's let's go to this question from sean gill 23 will we ever see high apr liquidity pools like DeFi summer 2021 can we go back to the good old days david <laughs> uh yes and no mostly no uh i think the high liquidity pools of DeFi summer were, were one time the phenomenon 
of the bull market. In the same way, like we don't we don't really see ICOs anymore, but we do see token creation events. Mm. I don't see we're gonna we're not gonna see high liquidity pool to uh, pool twos of DeFi summer. I think that was the high water mark. We will see high yields. We will see yields return some way somehow. It won't be as big or grandiose or risky as we saw in DeFi summer. It will return. Um, it won't be that crazy. It'll be much more sustainable and much more pragmatic. I think particularly in the frontier, right? That'll move to like the yes. frontier to layer twos to new DeFi protocols yeah. to risk your things. There is like a risk uh, return trade-off here where you see the higher APYs, they're probably going to be more risky. And so keep that in mind as well. Uh, all right, David, let's get to some takes. Here's one for mm -hmm. me. Why don't you read it? Ryan Shot Adams says, the US government literally sending our crypto developers into hiding right now. Imagine if we sent our internet entrepreneurs into the hiding in the 90s. I guess we're happy to let China fill the vacuum while we regulate the open internet out of existence. And Ryan, you are retweeting an individual uh, under the Twitter handle One Way Function who says, I've removed all of my crypto related code I've written from GitHub, about seven years years worth of contributions to the space and will no longer be contributing code to the space under my real name. All future code contributions will happen via a pseudonym. Oof. This, Oof. David, I just wrote this tweet out of pure frustration. Uh, mm -hmm. We are literally, I'm, I'm angry at the US. I'm angry at our regulators. We are literally sending our crypto internet entrepreneurs into hiding in America. It's what we're doing. Yeah. I can no longer imagine this. Imagine the early 1990s. We set, um, you know, Mark Andreessen into hiding because he was trying to hack on Netscape, and he had a vision for this Netscape Navigator browser. And there was some kind of regulation against, I don't know, encryption technology. And we said that that was illegal in the U.S. Andreessen had to go into hiding, become an anonymous developer in order to do it. Had to maybe move to a different country or deploy this stuff. Like that's what's at stake here. And I'm angry that it seems like inaction by legislators and reaction by regulators is making this happen in the US. We are losing a generation of crypto entrepreneurs. It's maddening, it's, maddening, it's frustrating, it's completely unnecessary. I go back to uh, Commissioner Summer from the CFTC, her line from her dissent, it didn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be like this. This is so stupid. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. Crypto is yeah. going to be fine. I don't know if America is, if it continues to persist in trying to regulate itself out of innovation uh, and insist its population live in a financial prison. Yeah. Done rant, yeah. David. What's next? Thank you. Thank you. Zero X Tuba says, I would say that these are the five horsemen of DeFi. I don't think any other protocol comes close. And it's a screenshot of MakerDAO, Lido, Curve, Aave, Uniswap. Xerox Tuba is saying these are the five Chads of DeFi, uh, the five DeFi apps that aren't going anywhere, that are probably relatively low risk bets, uh, is what Xerox Tuba is saying. Uh, would you agree with this? These five? I like this list a lot, actually. Yeah. 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 I um, think people are going to take offense to Lido being in there, but uh, it's hard to argue with. They have a maybe. lot of ETH in there. In their I, I certainly like Maker, Curve, Ave, and Uniswap. Yes. And yeah. what I'll note is this is all very like class of last bear market this yeah, is very yeah. class of 20 uh yes. 2019 2020 do, yeah. do you see plenia had to take this week which is like hey all of the innovation actually happened in 2019 or 2018 yeah. and 2019 and yeah. not a lot has happened after that in terms yeah. of like apps that we've built that are valuable and persistent right. i mean you could point to nfts but beyond that i mean what else have we built right i mean i, I think 
that answer will come out as more and more DeFi 2.0 apps do make it through the bear market. Um, not all will. Uh, but I'm rem reminded of one of my favorite Van Spencer tweets saying, stop asking for new narratives. We are 1% of the way through the <laughs> yes. current narratives. Yes. Like we still like this is Uniswap. Enough. Uniswap is enough. <laughs> You're like being able to mint your own token and put it on Uniswap instantaneously Incredible. is huge. Incredible. Like don't forget about how massive that is. Yeah, don't, f don't fade the OG DeFi protocols. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Kevin, Kevin O'Leary says, my investment strategy for crypto is the same I've learned from stocks. In all caps, diversify. I own positions in 32 different coins and tokens. Ryan, what do you think about this tweet? I think that's the opposite of the what I do. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think personally, I think this is terrible advice. No disrespect yeah, to Mister Wonderful. Pretty, I um, bad advice. It seems like you're just random. Like you could find yourself randomly shotgunning into a bunch of different tokens that are actually mm -hmm. highly correlated or basically the same thing and calling that diversification. That's not really diversification yeah. in my mind. But what's your take on it? My, my take on this is that Did you reply, Ether by the is, way? No, I quote tweeted him. Oh, you quote tweeted. Okay, here it is. Yeah. Can I read it? Sure. Guys, this is David's take. ETH is a diversified index. It's an index of the aggregate tokens and economic activity on top of Ethereum where 90% of DeFi is located. ETH is diversification. Few. Tell us what you mean. Oof. So many, I don't, maybe there are 30 tokens out there that are quality enough. And maybe Kevin O'Leary has like a very beautifully diversified portfolio. He could. He could. I just, I, I, think, I think over two thirds of his tokens are going to go to zero over the long term just by the nature of tokens. And the cool thing is with tokens on Ethereum and EIP 1559, Ether gets the benefit of that. So every token that comes, attempts, and then dies it, that token went to zero, but it burnt some ether along the way. Uh, and so you, this is why ether is such a nice asset. Even in bull markets, when there are all these Ponzi's and all these stupid tokens getting minted and all these tokens are going to zero, it's burning ether along the way. And then there's also the tokens that will work. Maker, Uni, Aave, Compound, Curve. Those tokens are good tokens to have. So maybe diversify amongst those. But even those tokens also add to the aggregate economic activity on Ethereum. And so ether, the asset, as the index of the aggregate Ethereum economy, nothing better will do a, a awesome job of representing the Ethereum economy as a whole than Ether the asset. And the Ethereum the economy is where like 95 plus percent of all NFT activity is. 95% plus activity of where all DeFi is. And so Ether is a beautiful index of some of the most alive parts of the whole entire crypto world. Uh, and so the whole like pulling in diversification even, even the S&P isn't actually a very good diversification tool. So you have to diversify amongst that. But this is something that like older boomer investors don't understand about crypto. And that's why you can't just take stock strategies and apply them to crypto. It doesn't work. I feel like you're about to dump on us, David. Are you about to dump all your ETH on us? <laughs> oh, yes. After right that? After, yes. Because I'm the, <laughs> I'm the person that can move markets of Ether. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I don't hate, though? Huh. I actually don't hate, like, you know, um, the Cryptex approach, which yeah. is just a straight index of the yeah. top 30 by, or a top X, I can't remember. Top X, let's call it 30, by market cap cryptocurrencies. No, it's, a, it's the whole market cap. The whole market cap. It's the whole I, market cap. Okay, the whole market cap. I do not hate that at all. That's I think similar. If you're that's talking the, that's about, a great. That's great. If you're talking about diversification, because I, I agree with you about ETH, and of course we're like, you know, perma bullish ETH. What that doesn't capture though is like growth of BNB, for example, outside, growth of Cosmos. 
outside of it doesn't capture growth outside other ecosystems you could buy the entire crypto market cap and you get all of that and that yeah. is like that's definitely definitionally perfect diversification yeah. rather than go like rando pick 30 coins you're right. bullish on and call that diversification i think people get into trouble that way but I'd, maybe I'd not mr wonderful see, i'd love to see kevin's 32 coins so because I, I would probably make fun of them <sighs> Well, let's uh, David's portfolio against Kevin's portfolio. Throw it down. You guys should make a you know Warren Buffett style bet. Um, oh let's go here. In almost all cases, it's a mistake to try and speed up adoption by compromising on cryptocentric product design. That is Punk four one five six saying this. What does he mean? Uh, he's saying don't cut corners. Uh, and so compromising on cryptocentric product design. I would call this what Luna did. I would call this what Wonderland did. There are mm. like certain properties or ethos of crypto that you can ignore if you build a DeFi project. And then as that DeFi project is stress tested, it accidentally becomes a Ponzi scheme, uh, whether you're intended it to be that or not. <laughs> uh, and so the call to action here is build something that doesn't cut corners and is crypto centric. Uh, and this is also a topic in my grifters video that'll come out next week. Do you know what's it? You know, it's an interesting rule of thumb. I wonder how well this applies is like, don't buy anything that was built during the bull market. Yeah. Yeah. If you, because you can't really trust it where you don't know. Yeah. You don't it have the signal. To, it needs to weather the downside. Yeah. Yeah. But buy the thing that was built during the last bear market and survived. Uh, mm -hmm. anyway. All right, David, what are you bullish on this week? My friend, I'm bullish on New York. Uh, the city? I've, been a, I've been having a great time, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know much about New York, the state, but New York, the city, is, <laughs> okay. has been amazing. It has fulfilled all of my hopes and dreams uh, after moving here. Uh, That's awesome. So this is my call to action for people who are curious about going full-time crypto society, not just crypto work. If you want to have the maximum exposure to the crypto industry, you got to move to New York. Uh, it is the best. I am having a fantastic time. Sponsored that's, that's by it. the New York Tourism Bureau. <laughs> so David by, doesn't yeah. have to dump his ETH on you. <laughs> that's awesome, man. If this I'm is glad. a burning joke. Is you've lived great. in some great places, though. Like you've yeah. lived in, mm -hmm. um, you know, Seattle. That's mm -hmm. a great place. Nice place. You've also San Diego. Mm -hmm. People move from all over the like country to get to San, San Diego. Diego. Yeah. And you like New York. And it's because of the people. Because it, it ain't the, the weather, my friend. Yeah, well, the I know that. not so bad, but it's definitely the people. The people that are, the Williamsburg specifically, where all the crypto people are, uh, is it's so awesome just to have everyone around. Uh, and there's something just magical about the crypto people that want to be around other crypto people and talk crypto. The people here, in New, New York specifically, attracts very interesting people. And then there's crypto side of New York that, you know, you add another layer of crypto interestingness on top of that. And it's just a fun time, man. I've been yep. having a great time here. One day, I'll, I'll take the northbound train, come up, see you one day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll we can do, do our, we can I'll do our track it up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. All right, Ryan, what are you bullish on? ZK Sync, my friend. Oh, yeah. The ZK EVM. Uh, it was a great episode that we did, but just in general, it was such ZK a good technology. It was really cool. I mean, uh, coming off the podcast with uh, Vitalik, where he said a few things. He said, um, ZK is as fundamentally important as blockchains themselves. ZK uh, technology, ZK cryptography, as fundamentally important as blockchains. He said, uh, 
they plan to in the future, the Ethereum roadmap plans to ZK snarkify the EVM. I don't fully even know what that means. Even after an episode with Vitalik, I feel like we need a deep dive, like title of the episode, if anyone downloads it, ZK snarkifying the EVM, like just that, cause I want to learn. Um, so that's cool. But then also he said, I'm uh, surprised at the progress of the ZK EVM. And now in less than 30 days, we're going to have the first ZK EVM on mainnet. Now it won't be accessible to users, but like I was mentally probably two years ago, thinking that ZK EVMs were five years out, yeah. if they even happened. The whole industry I was, was. I was kind of preparing myself to just say, oh, this is gonna be like another plasma thing, gonna be like a state channel thing. They'll get far enough along the design and just it something won't work and they'll have to pivot. And yet here we are. So that's what I'm really excited about. I mean, this has been called the holy grail. I mean, you have to launch the thing and kick the tires and actually test it before we know for sure. But um, I think it's the most exciting thing happening in crypto right now, like in the post-merge world. What's next? ZK EVMs are what's next. Yeah, I can't emphasize how awesome that State of the Nation uh, was this week with, uh, with Steve from, from ZK Sync. Uh, it, was, it was definitely longer on the longer side for, uh, for a State of the Nation, but it's, it was just so good. It was so good. The YouTube comments loved it. That's awesome. This is, this is Ryan and David dumping on you because we are advisors to ZK Sync. So disclaimer there. <laughs> we, that's true. We are advisors to ZK Sync. And you'll find that in the advisor page. But yeah. that's actually not why I'm excited about it. I don't know if anyone <laughs> believes it. I'm like, I'm I'm here for the tech, bro. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ZK EVMs. Uh, all right. What's the meme of the week, David? Meme of the week. Here we go. This is uh, Trustless State and Ryan Shot Adams on Trustless State uh, when the ether is getting burned more than it's issued. Uh, I actually don't know where this meme is, but I think this is two people. What two people? These in, are profession. These are sport. These people play sports. I could tell this. They play sports. They definitely play sports. It <laughs> looks like the soccer? Olympic team, but the Olympics are is not it? going on. Well, yeah, maybe it's soccer, but the guy has a Europe shirt. Anyways, it's two dudes who are definitely playing sports, watching something happening. And they are just holding yeah. hands, looking are, like looking on the edge of tears. They're they're just broken at the just the feeling of euphoria the, the eth of eth this, the eth that burn. that was my yeah. exact face that guy on the right is yeah. my exact face when wait so are you happened. the guy on the right i don't know is that is that how you identify because i uh, did identify myself as the guy on the left oh wow there you go yeah i'm, I'm the guy on the right <laughs> my, my face contorts in that way when i'm very emotional like that's definitely me you get you see the hair it's a little patchy you know like that's me i'm the guy on the right for sure oh maybe it's the hair yeah i have the hair on the guy on the left yeah that's right it's yeah. the hair that did it it's accurate right people, people would have said it i may as well claimed it um <laughs> uh, all right guys risks and disclaimers of course gotta tell Wait, you once no, again first no we have a fantastic oh. moment of zen oh, yes. coming up after ryan gives it's one of my favorite moment of zens uh it's it's a interview on Capitol Hill of bankers and Congress. And then it also cuts to, uh, where was that movie? The Big Short as well. Uh, so you know it's good. Uh, so say, you know, pay attention to that cut, otherwise you'll, you'll get confused. But first, Ron's gonna read you some disclaimers. None of this has been financial advice. ETH is risky, so is Bitcoin, so is DeFi. It always is. You definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. The gentleman from Indiana, Mr. Hollingsworth, is now recognized for five minutes. Well, good afternoon. I'm excited to be here with each of you. Before I get started on my questions, Mr. Moynihan, I wanted to let you know, Saruthi, raise your hand, Saruthi. 
She has been my team member for a couple of years now, but on Monday, she becomes a Bank of America team member, about which she is very, very excited. So I hope you'll take good care of her and know and recognize the talent that she has shown already in our office. I'm sure she'll do the same at Bank of America. We will do that, and her father already works for us, so he'll oh, take care of it. You should have called us. <laughs> um, we're good. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to chat about some of these issues today. What I'm really interested in is the state of the economy. How are you floating your resume to big banks? I mean, you're supposed to be the ones, you know, policing the big banks. Grow I mean, up, Jamie. There must be some kind of law against working for a financial institution right after you've been working in financial regulation, right? No. No. Hey! Doggy! Hey! Come over here! What are you doing at Caesar's? He's a Goldman. Yeah. Her father already works for us, so he'll oh. take care of it. You should have called us. <laughs>